Welcome to Gratitude Space Radio. I'm your host, Chris Palmore, founder of GratitudeSpace.com. My sincere thanks for listening, subscribing, and rating this podcast. Well, welcome to Gratitude Space Radio. This is a productive accident series. I've got my friend Peter in Hong Kong. Let's uh, bring Peter in there. It's his evening. How you doing, Peter? Doing well, thanks, Chris. How you doing? Good, man. Nice to see you. It's good to have our uh, weekly meetup. You know, very selfishly, I, I if we if I set a podcast with Peter, I get to hang out with Peter. So it's a double, you know, <laughs> double doubling down here. Yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, looking forward to this conversation. I, I don't have a, a huge uh, amount of background on on the, the people we're speaking to today, but I'm looking forward to learning more about their story. Awesome. Well, do you want to briefly explain uh, productive accidents, and then we will uh, we'll let our guest in here, and we'll start start chatting with them. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So um, the idea of productive accidents was discovered during business school uh, when I was uh, doing the Chicago program when I was living in Singapore, and we had a professor Ron Burt who'd gone back a hundred years and sort of looked at how does innovation happen. Was it was his his main sort of body of work. And he ended up sort of classifying people into two different categories. So he went back and looked at people like Henry Ford, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, everyone in between, trying to work out what are the common um, ingredients that, that made them creative and innovative over time. And, uh, you know, the two categories of people were um, people that sort of operated in a closed network, you know, so that they might go to their office and, and they might hang around their cubicle. They'll know a few, few of their neighbours, but... Beyond that, they'll just know their department, their, their company, their industry. And fine, if, if your industry is in steady state, you know, you just execute and optimize. But if you in, invite um, someone in a closed network to reinvent their industry, they're probably going to struggle because they don't kind of know what else is out there. So the alternative is to maintain an open network. And that's what today's conversation is about, you know, building bridges between Kentucky in the US and Hong Kong, where I am now, and our friends in Amsterdam. And just, you know, have this random conversation and keep talking until we find something that we we all care about. And, and that will lead to um, new insights, potential collaboration and things like that. And so what I've just sort of discovered, I guess, is this formula for putting yourself at risk of these productive acts, these conversations, is that it, it also has become an engine for adventure. And there's a whole bunch of, you know, case studies and, and how we met Chris is one of those examples uh, and how we met Gino that we'll talk about um, as part of this program as well and how he's been a great um, bridge to connect people because, you know, he's, he's got a really open mind as well uh, and it's been uh, amazing. So that's kind of the backdrop uh, and how we sort of connected is, a, is another story that maybe we can touch on later on, but uh, maybe we can bring in the guests and, and uh, kick it off. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Peter. Well, I've got uh, Andy and Bambos and they're in Amsterdam uh how you doing, guys? Good. We were just talking about Bombos' sex life before you got on. Okay. Was it a short or long conversation? It was very short. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Well, welcome, guys. Uh, thanks Hello. for being here today. Um, for the people who don't know you, do you guys just mind telling, telling us a little bit about yourselves individually and together? <laughs> you go first. I'll follow. Uh, why don't I introduce <laughs> Bombos and Bombos can introduce me? I think that's better. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Bambos is a crazed idiot who doesn't know anything that's going on and his life is a fucking mess. 
and he somehow has <laughs> found solace with me. Wow, that was beautiful. Wow, that's, that's so, 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 so much about Andy and how wonderful he is. Bambos, your turn. Uh, Andy is this um, self-acclaimed author, guru, and um, the way he lives his life really inspires me. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like I, I kind of stalk Andy's life. Like I've listened to his uh, audio book 15 times, 15th time now. Wow. And mm -hmm. in, in a way, when, when we say that you are who you surround yourself with, there's not many people I want to surround myself with. So I end up mm. having this guy and a few other people as a virtual reality to impact my own uh, state of being. How did you guys meet and, and how long ago? Um, 2014, I was starting my business as a photographer. And on that journey, I was dealing with violence, like internal conflict and, and kind of suppressing the anger in me. Mm. And it was coming out in very distorted ways. And at the same time, because I was starting a business, I was also not having a backup plan. So in a way, I, it was either I'm going to be successful or I'm going to end up on the streets. And mm -hmm. that's where Andy came in. Yeah. And through his guidance, I, I, end, I ended up uh, not being on the streets and being a full-time photographer in the Netherlands. Fantastic. So, so as I say that, I can, I can really tap into gratitude, mm. seeing that that's yeah. the underlying thing. So what he said in the beginning is not a far fetch. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that, since I don't really see it that way, it's easy to joke about it. But if I really felt that way, I could never do it, of course. You know? <laughs> yeah. Where did you guys grow up? Are you from there or elsewhere? I'm from the U.S. And I'm from Cyprus. Which part of the nice. U.S.? Uh, San Fernando Valley. That was the start. I left when I was 20, so that's a long time away. But, yeah, it started yeah. at 20. Yeah, I read a bit about your background, and, and I saw that was the link into, into Chris, which I think um, Gino had, had sort of suggested, uh, this yeah. idea of writing letters. Maybe you want to talk a bit about that. I'm sort of curious to learn more. Um. Yeah, well, I, I guess, you know, when I was 20, mom died, I shut down emotionally and I look for escape and traveling and just getting away. And so at 50, I just arbitrarily decided to write the book that was going to be documenting the critical moments of my life and what I learned. And uh, and then I, I didn't expect for that book to do all that well. And it did well. So I thought, OK, how, when is when in life you're going to have something that kind of is a platform for something else because i never really think of anything as the thing it's always like oh shit now i'm like a kid in a sandbox what can i do with this <laughs> so it was like mm. who cares about the book but what can i use because if the book does well that gives me opportunities to leverage it and then i thought okay and i just took a shower one day and i, I told my wife i'm going to travel the u.s for three months and just do 60 sessions and there were numbers i threw out without even knowing any realistic, I didn't know anything. You know, I hadn't lived in the US. I didn't know how long it took to drive across the US. I mean, it was really just an arbitrary statement. And then I just uh, created it by, you know, like drawing the line, seeing where were the solid locations I knew I could do a session and writing to spiritual communities, writing to old folks home, writing to bookstores. And it was just like, and then it just materialized. And it was maybe a four to six month prep time before doing it. It wasn't like a big thought out plan. 
And uh, and then I just sat with 60 groups and they wrote letters to loved ones. And I guess I I, I knew that I was going to treat this time as something special. So what I did do is I made res resolutions to myself that I would never step away from the emotions coming up. And I, and I mean, like, never, like not the arbitrary, subtle, like if it was there, it's going to show and I'm not going to let no compromise, even if it's uncomfortable. So I was on the, the largest morning show in the Bay Area. And then the fucking asshole asked me if you can write a letter to your mom and you knew she was going to die. What else would you have written? You know, like and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. You know, like and I had a, I had a pause because I wasn't going to respond auto. There was no auto hmm. response. It was like, I'm going to absorb everything that's said to me and I'm going to come back with what I'm feeling in the deepest way. And then I just cried. And then I realized the hardest thing would have been to say, I'm going to miss you. Hmm. Because in some ways, you know, I wrote her a letter that she got a few hours before she was killed. So I'd already written to her and, and said what I needed to say just by coincidence. Hmm. But I never well, really, I never said, I'm going to miss you. And that was probably... The hardest words, even now, as I said, I can feel the pain come up because that miss never ends. It changes, mm. of course, but it never ends. So, so that would that, that that was the trip. Yeah. I just want to say, you know, um, I I've read the book and uh, I did write a short review, so I, I felt like I feel like it'd be a nice place for me just to interject my thoughts real briefly, being that I did, you know. Um, so, if you don't mind, uh, so um, I said there's an there is an amazing power and insight that is right within reach when we lose a loved one. So that's the, uh, the title it says Andy doesn't hold back here. Uh, this man has traveled not only literally, but within himself, there is an amazing power and insight that is right within reach. When we lose a loved one, mm -hmm. Andy was fortunate to have written a letter to his mom right before she died. This action of reaching out and sharing his love and gratitude for her is what set him out on his journey. The journey spans many continents, cultures, ideas, thoughts, and decades. If you're looking to get inspired or find some actionable steps that will open your your head as well as your heart, I recommend you check out this book. So I really, uh, you know, um, stepping stepping into how we met and kind of this, you know, these these grateful connections that I was talking mm -hmm. with, um, you know, Bambusel earlier. Like, I, I love that we're sitting here, right? I think it's awesome. I, I feel like I'm friends with all you guys and. Andy's been uh, reading your books. Obviously, I, I know you better than Bambos, but we got to share time on y'all's podcast. So I got to know Bambos more. And, and um, I just I wanted to step back and thank the person that made this happen. I want to thank I liked that dimensional gratitude. Right. Like we're sitting here. The only reason we're sitting here is because we all know one man. Right. Which is yeah. so cool. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. You know, there's, 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 there's Christ, and then there's, and then there's the connector, <laughs> uh, Gina, uh, you, yeah, and, um, say that. <laughs> yeah, Gino, so, you, I mean, Gino has brought on so many people onto our show. I can't, I forget who they are even in the meantime. There's so many of them. Yeah. How did you yeah, meet Gino? Um, I know Gino, I, I think Gino came on his, uh, evolving caravan tour through Europe. And he mm -hmm. ended up in Amsterdam and everyone took some drug at a, at a location so they could have some alternate reality experience. And I watched them all do that and said, I'm very happy to be with you while you were doing this. And uh, and and uh, and we just had contact ever since. Yeah. Yeah. I met Gino through the whole TEDx community here, which he curated okay. effectively when TEDx Hong Kong. And uh, yeah, then he invited me to MC their events and then to help prepare speakers. Oh, fantastic. And, um, you know, now it's gotten to the stage where all well, over the last number of years, it's, you know, 
often it's it's just this random message, you know, on a on a Tuesday at four p.m. saying, "Hey, are you in town?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, there's a dinner on tonight. It's at seven. You should be, you know, there's a guy there. You should meet. Things like that." Yeah. And I'll just I'll just rearrange my my schedule because it's become yeah. this reliable sort of you know gateway into cool people. And uh, one of the one of the times was was pretty memorable. I don't know if you've come across a guy, Adrian Bellick, who's a filmmaker. Oh yeah, from, I know him. I know uh, him. I, think I, I tried to get him on the yeah. show, and he didn't respond. So yes, I do uh, know him. I think it's a good idea. I want to get Adrian on here as well. And what was cool about it is, you know, he he couch surfed around the world for three hundred days. Uh, no, for three years, I think it was making a documentary about happiness. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's enough to to get me curious. I want to meet this guy. And within, you know, first. 10 minutes of meeting him, we discovered we we both grew up on BMX bikes and skateboards. And, you know, that was enough to keep us, you know, go on off on a tangent for a while. And at the end of the night, I said, look, um, you're a couch surfer. Where are you staying tonight? And he said, well, I'm okay tonight, but tomorrow night. And I said, all right, come and stay at our place. So I had to go home and, and introduce the concept to my wife. I said, hey, there's this dude with dreadlocks who's going to come and stay with us. Are you okay? She was cool. Our kids were cool. And uh, he stayed with us a week or so. And now whenever he's traveling through Asia, um, he'll stay at our place for a week or two. That's great. And what it led to is this new family tradition of how people stay with us, which is oh, magic. Wow. Because you have people coming in Hong or you know, you could stay at a hotel, but it's better if you come and stay here because you mm. know, we'll get to hang out a bit more. Yeah. And uh, we'll get to know each other more. You'll get to live a little bit, you know, like we do. But the magic is when I'm not there and they get to, you know, my children get to have these conversations yeah. with people that are doing amazing things. So yeah. in one month when we had Adrian, the documentary filmmaker from LA, we had a Maasai tribal dude from Tanzania that, you know, was coming into town to do a, a talk um, about a school that we support down there that fights poverty through education. And we had a musician from Melbourne who was playing at the Clock and Flap uh, music concert here. Yeah, it's like a nice. three-day music festival. And uh, yeah, there's probably 15 people that, that we've had stay with us over the uh, years. And now it's going in reverse, like uh, about, I don't know, before things got shut down, I was in uh, New York and I met a guy through LinkedIn. Uh, we had a call and, you know, very quickly we realized we had a similar sort of mindset. And he, this is Greg Larkin. He'd written a book called This Might Get Me Fired. Yeah. It's about how innovation in a corporate setting, you need to sort of push some boundaries. And I said, you know what, you should come out here and do a speaking tour. And by the way, just stay with us. And, you know, I'll introduce you to a bunch of people that would be relevant to you. Next thing you know, I was actually going to New York and I had an extra weekend. And I said, look, where should, where should I stay? And uh, he's in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And he said, just hang on for a second. He went away, spoke to his Scottish wife. And, you know, he said, yeah, just come and stay with us. So we'd never met before, but that was an amazing. He gave me the punk rock teenage tour of his youth of, you know, Greenpoint yeah. and Vinegar Hill and all these other cool things. So a lot of these conversations just keep on evolving. That's what I love about this, you know, this yeah. whole community. X was a great way to understand the startup community, which then turned into Creative Mornings and all these other things, Peggy Future and Fuck Up Nights and all those good yeah. things. By the way, I'd love to segue back, if I may, to introducing Bambos on another level. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> there was uh, there's other things that actually I think are really nice uh, to touch on. Um, is that, you know, we the the interesting and challenging part of being and doing the show is that Bambos processes the world in a very different way than I process it. So he's very sensual. It's a very 
it doesn't like people can talk and the words can be spoken and he won't even be able to hear the words because he can't sense what's behind the words. I'm speaking for you, but this is the experience, <laughs> right? So, and, and so I'm sitting next to him and in some ways it's, there's a two sides. Like I see he's processing the interaction with the people we're on with very different than I'm processing it. And in some ways it like we've, we've been spending a lot of the year together processing when it's working and how we can interact around it and where it's harder or more challenging mm -hmm. for us to interact around it. And I guess the, 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 the beauty I think of life is like we as individuals often take for granted how we make sense of the world, our sense making. And so as I uh, have been able to sit next to Bambos and sort of see like if I go into, cause I have a, a high degree of empathy, but it's hard. Cause if you take in someone else's reality, sometimes it's hard to let it go again. Cause you really let it in. It's not a logical thing. It's a embodiment. Mm -hmm. And if I allow fully where Bambos senses the world and feels through a felt sense and less than a logical construct of trying to understand everything, it's like, wow. Uh, now, I don't even know what I would ever ask anyone because I lose all interest if I don't feel like a vibration, which is on the same level as the person I'm interacting with. So so that's been a very interesting journey for me. And I think we've discussed it on and off air a lot as we've done it together. And and if there's anything that I say to look towards Bambos as, is Bambos says when he said earlier that he looks up to me as a model, I really that a lot of other people might say it and it might not mean as much to me because I know Bambo smells bullshit really quickly. So mm. it's not like if he smelled it in me, he wouldn't also say, Andy, that's nonsense. Mm. And and he'll see my, inst my uh, like, like parts, like I'm not body conscious like he is, but he laughs and he says, but you don't seem to give a shit. So why would, it doesn't, it, even the inconsistency of me not caring about my body, he would laughingly, and realize it and say, hey, that's still consistent because you don't care if you're going to die anyway. So why would you care about your body? You know, like like that's like there's a, a degree to which there's a deep understanding of actually what I'm endeavoring to be. Right. Which is getting back to the theme of this show is be the thing you want to see in the world and don't preach that others should be it. Just be it yourself. So even when we laughingly come on and I act like a little bit of an imbecile and I joke around, it's true that one might project onto me and say, this guy's a jerk or this guy is insincere or he's diminishing bambos. But in, in some ways, it's the most loving thing I can do because he's the friend. And if other people don't understand it, I'm not speaking to those people. I'm speaking to bambos and our love and appreciation of him. And so when people come into our world and just see a snippet, they may have no clue what's going on between us or on the show, not realizing that it's almost us talking and we're allowing other people to join us as opposed to trying to do something. What is the theme for your show? Presence with anyone, you know, with anyone. And it just, right. just, it doesn't, we don't want to have a specific person on the show. We want to have the woman that was raped at 25, the woman that was molested when she was a child by the neighbor, uh, the guy who find a Rembrandt uh, and, and made a, a, a killing, uh, the, you know, I know that there's 150 or some odd shows now, 163 <laughs> and each one is totally different. And the idea is, is that it should not matter about being present with someone if you're just holding space for whatever can emerge. And the mm. one thing Bambos, as I mentioned earlier, will do well, if he's not feeling that the guest is connected and I'm 
asking more heady questions, he will often slide in and say, okay, um, guys, can we move it a little bit back to a, an area that maybe gets us more grounded? So in that way, we yeah. complement each other very well. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, Chris, do you want to talk about your letter writing and, and how, you know, it resonated with, uh, with Andy's story? Uh, yeah, you know, when, when uh, getting back to how we met, you know, um, Peter had me on a function and he was he was hosting in Hong Kong uh, with be the beautiful, a beautiful, ha sorry, beautiful house. It's a beautiful right? business. Has a beautiful, beautiful business. business. And, uh, and um, yeah, so he um, beautiful business and um, he allowed me to come on just kind of share my gratitude story, which I shared on your all's podcast about writing you know, a letter to my mother uh, on my birthday, four months before she passed away, before her cancer came up. And <clears throat> ever I got done speaking, uh, Gino, and I believe he was even on a train because we were all at a Zoom call. You know, he turned his his mic on and he was like, he's like, I need, he's, 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 he said he appreciated it. And he's like, I got to connect you with my friend Andy. You know, he has a, a, a book called The Last Letter and he wrote a letter to his mom before she passed away too. So you guys totally need to connect. And that was, uh, you know, so that was a little nuggety threw at me, right? I think maybe, I think maybe we sent a message on Facebook afterwards, but um, he just said that this guy, this guy's done some similar things to, uh, you know, to what you're doing. Uh, it led him on a journey similar to what it sounds like you've done. Uh, you should totally check out this book. I think it'll resonate with you. And, um, and it did. And, uh, you know, it was, it was amazing to meet somebody that had, obviously we didn't have the same experience, but there's a lot of elements of our story that overlap. Um, if it's, you know, taking it, you know, my, my journey, you know, you, you left and for 30 years uh, traveled the world, you know, and I, uh, you know, and I didn't share this on the, you know, on the podcast with you guys, but when, when I was sharing about when I went to Cuba and all that stuff, that was me going off the rails, escaping from this reality that was my own life, which I didn't hate my life, but I'm saying that was my, you know, I got out and I was just like, oh, I'm, I was addicted to it. You know, I just wanted to be out there in the world. Uh, I didn't want to be back, back home. Um, so they're a little different, but very similar ideas, you know. Um, but I, you know, Gino, uh, going back to Gino, just, he, he, he saw that and he, he connected us and here we are. And, um, and, and, uh, I feel like I'm totally rambling, which you guys will catch me doing. I would love to pivot this back to, um, you know, Bambo shared how he met Andy, but Andy, when you met Bambo, so what's, what's the scenario of you actually, who introduced you to Bambos? How did that, how did uh, that? I, I, my mentor, who you would have read about in the book, was Case. And Case holds sessions. And Bambos entered one of those sessions sometime. And I think I met I think I met you just very briefly in one of those sessions. No. No? When did we meet? So here then? we go. I, I, I came to this building when they were rebuilding it. Yeah. And we met downstairs in the church room. Okay. Sitting at a table. And it was just a, a meeting? With Casper. It was just really random. Oh, we just a random meeting. House, that's oh, okay. So that's oh, wow. how we met. Okay, cool. And then, so obviously, moving forward, how, when who whose idea was the podcast, and how did that? Uh, how was that birth? It's your idea. Yeah. In, in general, we always talked. Like okay. I would come, I'd have some confusion about something or some incapacity, and it would be like, "Hey, let's talk." And while he's talking, in order for me to sit with the with the words. I always used to record it so I can just relax into the conversation without having to hold on to things. And at some point it was like, hey, Andy, I think we should record these sessions because I find them very useful. And Andy was like, you find them useful, but I don't think other people find them useful. And in, in a way, 
I felt that Andy was this entity living in Amsterdam, hidden away from the world. And I'm like benefiting from all this love and wisdom. And it, it kind of felt a bit selfish. And I wanted to find a way to put him out there. But he, he would always joke like, why the hell would I, would I want to put myself out there and invite energy that I don't need? Oh, wow. So how did you, how did you overcome, how did you get him past that hurdle? Or, uh, Andy, how did he, how did he talk COVID. to you? COVID. Oh, COVID. <laughs> where it's coming out of my word. So <laughs> funny we timed it. Cheers. COVID. <laughs> Cheers. It's a COVID. Cheers. Actually, yeah. that's, that's a good, good segue into, uh, actually, last year, um, I, I wrote a, um, that I've been thinking about writing for a while around productive accidents. But um, the thing that made it happen um, was uh, a program that I did through Seth Godin, you know, who's, he has got these akimbo workshops. And I did the um, Alt-MBA about five years ago because I just thought mm -hmm. here's a hundred interesting people. Something, you know, new will come out of that for sure. And um, I think when I did it, there were about 200 alumni. Now there's, I don't know, 4,000 or something. And they're all self-organizing, you know, there's, ones on how to be a better storyteller and how to be uh, how to create a podcast and do these other things and I was doing the one called the creatives workshop where um, the whole idea is to have a hundred day streak in whatever you're trying to create so if you're a poet pick up your pen every day for a hundred days if you're a musician pick up your guitar in my case pick up my laptop and just tap away and try to get this stuff down uh, and again you met this amazing community of three or four hundred people around the world find shared interests and start collaborating and so on. And um, someone at one stage during the uh, during one of the pieces of, um, I guess we re responded to a, a prompt or something, mentioned um, Chris Shembra and his um, pastor and gratitude, uh, gratitude and pastor, whichever way it is, uh, program out of New York. And normally this guy hosts dinners in his apartment or in his courtyard in, in New York. And uh, I was interested in, in gratitude for, for different reasons. Um, we actually interviewed Mush Panjwani, another friend that was based in Hong Kong for a number of years, who's now in Pakistan. We had hit this conversation at the same time last, last, um, last week. And, um, yeah, he, he got me interested in, in gratitude because um, as a way of just keeping perspective and, you know, you're going through difficult things. You know, um, just a couple of phrases like if you've got fresh running water in your wherever you live, you're, you're already better off than whatever eighty percent of the people on the planet and things like that. Um, so I found his his mindset really helpful, and um, he also spoke about how he had re reverse engineered a book. You know, he said, "Look, he wanted it to be a hundred pages, um, wanted to finish it in a hundred days or a hundred weekends, whatever it was." Which meant, you know, you just have to break it down into these bite-sized pieces, and you can get it done. And that's kind of what happened, but um, you know, meeting Chris Shembra because it was um, because of COVID, he couldn't do physical dinners anymore. So he was doing these these things via Zoom, and uh, seven forty seven p.m. or whatever was when he he was the pastor in New York. I said, "Well, that's seven forty seven a.m. in Hong Kong. You do dinner, I'll have breakfast," and um, joined this curated conversation around gratitude. And um, a, a month later, he wrote to me, and actually. Even people I met during that that one call have turned into some collaborations. There was a fintech in San Francisco that I introduced to an NGO in New York, and they become a pilot for something they were doing. Anyway, a month later, Chris wrote and said, "Hey, we're going to do another series of these dinners. Here are three dates. You know, which one would you like to go to?" And I said, "Well, 
you know, how about I go to all three and I'll, I'll bring a different friend each time. And um, another contact that I'd met through LinkedIn, another Chris, um, Chris Davis, uh, in, is a Texan who lives in Taipei. I said, you should check this out. And he loved it so much that the following week he decided to host a walking tour of his neighborhood um, via Zoom or whatever. And I said, well, okay, you did that last week. I'll do it in Hong Kong this week. And these little things sort of kind of snowball. And uh, during that walk, Chris Shembra said, hey, you should meet Chris Palmore. He's also into gratitude and here we are today, you know, fast mm-hmm. forward. So all these little connections and conversations, that are, I, I love how they compound over time. Yeah, just to speak into that, back to you said, Andy, advice about COVID, you know, he's like he was saying, if, for example, if COVID hadn't hit, obviously Chris wouldn't have started doing that and I would never know Peter. And then, and then in turn, we would never be having this conversation. <laughs> those little, right, those little things, those yeah. grateful little connections that only came out of people doing things online because mm-hmm. they were, you know, they couldn't do it any other way. Just like my podcast, the way it is, my book being written last year, you know, all these, yeah. uh, obviously there's, there's benefits and then there's, you know, it, it's, I like to focus on the benefits. <laughs> so. um, Chris, you, you listened to our, I mean, we, we did two podcasts on gratitude. One of them mm. was with you, of course. And there was one before that I also sent you. I'm curious, how was that for you? If you listened to it? I, I really enjoyed it. I did listen to it. Um, I didn't take notes. I was doing, I'll tell you what, I started listening to in the morning during my, like, um, I was listening to you. I was, I'm doing this like intense plank sessions and as it got harder, <laughs> I realized that music wasn't the idea. I needed like a voice in my ear. So I started, uh, you know, it was about the time we did that. So I started listening to you guys chatting while I was doing my plank sessions in the morning. I was, so I was starting with your all's uh, voice in my ear, which normally yeah. I would just have peaceful music or droning music. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I did not, again, I did not take notes. Um, I, it went back to, you know, I loved how Andy just pointed out, and I believe in that same podcast, you know, he said similar things. And when we talked where he was like, when I'm with somebody, I get in the mindset that this could be the last time I'm going to be with them. So that mm-hmm. this, again, the the embodiment of gratitude and perspective with an individual to be present for them, the gift that you're showing up to give and that you get to receive from it. Um, I think it's a powerful thing. And I Honestly, you know, I um, in a gratitude practice, because I'm, I'm working on, you know, these layers, it's like there's reflexive gratitude, you know, there's intentional gratitude. And then there's what Andy's talking about, which is uh, the embodiment, like the uh, it's, um, oh, geez, what's that word called? It's uh, <clears throat> it's not ref- it's not intentional. At that point, it's it's part of who you are. I can't think of that word. I had the word for it. Um, not embodied wouldn't be the word. Well, embodied probably would work, but that's not the word I was using when I was writing. But it's it's uh, it's it's internal. There we go. Internal. Uh, you're you're working on like internal gratitude. Oh, yeah. right? So it's like, you don't you're not reflexive. You're not it's not intentional anymore because you completely internalized it. So yeah. in one of your internalization in, in internal, obviously, you have to you have to build mechanisms to be internal. So like your mechanism in that situation is like when I'm with somebody you're like, this is important. This is special. This will never happen again. Yeah. I may never see them again. I want to be here. And I think that's, um, it's powerful. And I, uh, even though I know you said a lot of other beautiful things in that podcast and I did, or did really enjoy the whole thing. That was what, um, that's what stood out to me. Um, and I think it's a, it's, it's awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah, I think that idea of empathy, I, I got introduced to that in, in a different way. Um, during the alt mba where one of uh, seth's exercises was 
to take something you believe in, you know, let's say it's climate change or, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, something that you believe passionately about um, and to take the opposite view and research that and write an article, you know, a convincing article from that perspective. And it, it literally re re rewires your brain in some ways, right? I mean, writing does uh, in general, but taking that opposite view. And I was sort of reflecting on, um, you know, the whole Brexit thing was happening and 2016 elections. And I was going, you know what? Um, I wrote an article on LinkedIn where, you know, we we should be more, uh, have more empathy for the people that are feeling like they need to vote for for Trump at the time. And I was going, we should be thanking Trump for highlighting that there's people that are hurting, you know, in different parts of, of the US and, and going to talk to them and say, look, how can we help? You know, because I don't think that was, I didn't see that happening as, as much as it probably could have. Um, anyway, but similar thing with Brexit potentially, right? You know, why are you mm. upset with what's happened and, and how would you make it better rather than just have this Being deep upset. reaction? Yeah, anyway. Yes, speaking back to Andy in your second book, because I wanted to share, I wanted to definitely talk more about that um, because I have read it. <laughs> so I, you know, no, I just say I, I really enjoyed, um, you know, I, I wanted to share my review on that too. I wanted to get back into that because again, I want to share, I want to share your books with people. Um, so I'm going to read my sh short <laughs> review of your uh, your second book and just speak a little to that because you, you did share earlier, but I wanted to I wanted to talk a little more about it. So. Um, so this is my review for uh, The Wounded Healer. The Wounded Healer shared a mantra and an understanding of how to relieve tension in my life. Because Andy shares so many stories of interacting with others, it allowed me to have an open and meaningful conversation with my dad about my mother's passing. Many moments got me in this book, especially this one. I'm going to turn 50 and I've never gotten over my mother's death and it's okay. Take the journey. I promise it's worth it. So I, I, I was feeling like uh, that completely triggered the book when you were talking about speaking uh, to uh, the you know, on the newscaster in, in California. How you're like, you know, I'm I'm here and I'm there. I I just thought it was so powerful that idea of making a statement that it's you know I'm never going to get over this and it's okay. And and because I've been reading your book, um, you know, I was with my father in Florida. We took us on a, a vacation uh, to celebrate my my uh, wedding. My wife and I, like our, uh, you know, our own little it was, a, it was the three of us getting away in December. So it was like uh, I released my book. I got married, and then we got to go, you know, have this beautiful space by the beach. And um, I was there with him, and I and I know, you know, I spent a lot of time with him. And he gets uh, obviously very emotional about my mom for good reason. But he was saying certain things, and I kept hearing it in his head. And I, and I looked at him, and I just I said. Uh, I said in a very lovingly way, I said, you know, I, I said myself, I said, you know, it's, it's okay. I said, I, I said, I, I know that I'll never, I'll never stop missing my, you know, my mom. I'll, I'll never stop missing her. And I was like, it's okay. And I was like, if you're, if you're feeling like you're missing her, I'm like, that's, that's okay. You know, there's, you don't need to feel like that's a bad thing or that you need to like try to get, you know, escape from that. Um, it's completely okay. And we had this really beautiful moment that was set inside of that containment um and it was really beautiful i want to thank you for your journey and putting the book out and uh sharing um sharing your heart and it re reverting back into uh, my life in that moment in that meeting so thank you so much andy thank you yeah you're welcome <laughs> so so uh yeah it's i i really uh 
I love what you're doing, man. I love what you guys are doing. And um, I, again, appreciate you guys having me on your podcast too. So that was, uh, I haven't had a chance to really talk to Peter about that, but uh, because you guys do such an open-ended conversation on your podcast, I got to have a very different conversation than I normally don't have when I'm uh, sharing my book and everything. So you gave me a, um, gave me an opportunity to, to speak from a different perspective of things. And uh, I really, again, do really appreciate you guys creating the space and uh, allowing that to happen. Yeah, thank you. I think that's what I get most joy of is when people come on the show and they discover something new about themselves that they weren't aware of. And that happens a lot because the people don't realize they're not coming on to a interview show. They're, they're coming to people who are fully present, listening to them in ways they didn't even realize they could be heard and then engaged where they are at that moment, not in some, let me take you to a place that you're not here. So mm-hmm. on Friday's show, we just had a really, we had a very incredible show with somebody who, uh, you know, he was, he, he'd gone to prison and then in prison, he wrote a book, a uh, children's book that then, you know, did well, won an indie, indie prize for the best book of that year. And it was interesting is that he had a lot of di- difficulty sharing the, the, the fact that he was in, he was in, he actually wasn't in prison. He was in jail. There's a distinct distinction there. I wasn't aware of, but he was in jail for six months, but it was like, he never shared that story. And he was, he, he had a lot of shame and guilt and frustration around not being able to share it. And let's not focus on that. And let's the, and it was really interesting because what came through that, show was that it was so formative and how he developed and evolved and then became to write this book that he never embraced the thing that he was ashamed of. Mm. Like it was, mm. so Bambos left and I had a half an hour session with him after he went and my wife was like, Hey, it's our time. But I, I, it was really important for me to say, Hey, you, you had an opportunity to share the six months, which gave you time to check in with yourself as a writing sabbatical. And that is actually a beautiful thing that transformed your life. So talk about it that way. Don't don't avoid it. And 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 having him come out afterwards and share his gratitude for speaking about a subject he wasn't comfortable mm. about. That is like where I get a deep joy in being on on the program. And I and I, and I wouldn't be the same dynamic, for instance, if Bambos wasn't here, right. because in some ways, even if he isn't necessarily speaking, because I'll rattle on. I'm always holding his consciousness in my head like, oh, shit, this is where Bambos is right now. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, shit, how do I find back to the place where we get to somewhere more intimate? And on that show specifically, I was going down that rabbit hole of asking more linear questions. And then Bambos pulled us back, said, let's go back to your prison sentence. Like, what happened there? And then all of a sudden, from that moment forward, the show just ran, ran beautifully. And so that's sort of the balance and what makes for me the time like really, really nice to spend this time. What are some of your favorite questions for opening those conversations up? None, zero. I mean, we, I listened to a podcast we did like today, we released it and it was with a dwarf. And then I think the first question I asked her was, when were you diagnosed? When, when did you, when did you catch the disease? Like, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the thing about the podcast is that the beauty of life is being with people where they see through you. So from that moment forward, she knew that we were full of love and full of fun and we weren't going to do the bullshit. 
Let's play the game that we're socially, emotionally distanced. I'm going to ask you parochial questions. And so in that way, we get to the heart of how it feels to have stupid assholes like me ask dumb <laughs> questions like that of her. And then and she immediately has fun. Like that's the beauty of life is celebrating the the you know, everyone is so concerned about how they look or how I'm going to be perceived. So they put on a facade of let me present myself in a way so that I don't get projected on in a way I'm unhappy with. So in a way, the way I've, I've accepted in my life, I don't know how many more years I've got on the planet, but let's just have fun. And if someone cries, let's, let's agree. We cry on our show a lot. So it's not like we only protect through comedy. We, we embrace the emotions as they show up. And that, that would be an example of a moment whenever, even when I listen back to the show, I cringe at it. But on another level, I know that, you know what, this is the show. This is what we're here to do is really be present and have fun and, and be with people. Yeah. yeah. I really like um, Story Corporations or Story Corp. Um, when I first discovered that, you know, this idea of, you know, children interviewing their parents, grandparents and having oh, yeah. them tell their story in, in their own voice and things like that. And uh, when they got they won the TED Prize and they, they got the they, they built the app. Um, next time I was back in Australia, I, I interviewed my parents and I learned stuff about them that I, I didn't know, you know, if, if I hadn't have bothered to you know, ask those questions and spend that time. So yeah. I haven't told my siblings that these interviews are out there, but I think one day, you know, they're going to be kind of priceless. Um, yeah. So, yeah, recording these conversations, they may seem not that important, not that, you know, yeah. useful, but, uh, yeah, one day I think they will be. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, have you I guys heard you. of um, the lion? Sorry, I'm just going to, while, while I remember, have you heard of um, Gian Power? Um, he's got a platform called The Lions Club, which is a speaker series for people that have gone through difficult situations, which I think might resonate with, with you guys and what, what, you've, mm -hmm. what you've built. Um, I'll forward you the details later on, but I just want nice. to you know, do a shout out to him. He, he uh, went through a very difficult situation where um, his father was murdered um, mm -hmm. on a business trip to India. Took him three years to kind of get through that. And um, the only way he did it is by eventually sharing his story, going back to that and, and telling people. And then um, it, it just brought out other people's stories of, of you know, colleagues and, and different people. And now he's working around the world with, you know, trying to bring this mm -hmm. level of authenticity and vulnerability um, to companies, but also just to the communities in general. So. It uh, could be a good fit for you guys. Sounds nice. Mm. Go, go ahead now. I have a couple of podcasting questions, being that you guys you guys seem like you guys have it so together. And I wanted to thank Andy for mentioning, you know, it's it's interesting, not interesting, uh, just a nice accent was, you know, I, because I met you, I got to watch your show and I was like, wow, that looks really good. It's like, not only obviously you guys are good, but I'm like, it looks good, right? You know, the production value. Like, and I, I remember I wrote Andy, I was like, I was like, are you using Zoom? I'm like, what are you doing? Because I, I know through Zoom to do what he wants to do, it costs about four or $500 a month, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, because yeah, you have to buy 10 accounts to be able to take their logo off and put a logo on. <laughs> but anyways, okay, right? Okay, thank you for, so you told me StreamYard and I was like, well, uh, you know, and then it's like, oh, it's like game on. Like, wow, I can make banners. I could do, but you know, I can put the stuff in the background. I can put logos. Um, yeah. It's like it literally like the world is my we, before we did Zoom. It's like a black screen, and now it's like the world's your oyster. So yeah. that was from you because you use that that platform. Um, you know, 
you opened my eyes to it. The only reason I, the reason I saw it was because of you. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and then I was curious. Yeah, when you that's, that's what I love. I love how, you know, just through our WhatsApp chats where we're sort of organizing these ad hoc conversations, Chris is hey, switch from Zoom to, to StreamYard and, and, you know, within five minutes, he's got a, a, a mocked up banner and, and all these other things. And what's great about Chris writing his book is that I was able to invite people. Like my eldest daughter was able to write a, a letter and, and various other friends. And uh, it's a great shortcut to being a published author, which will encourage them to hopefully write even more. And so the next book, Year 2020, has been another great platform to introduce people to what's possible. Um, so self-publishing and whether it's podcasts, books and other things has been uh, a great discovery last year as well. Mm. Well, you know, Andy actually, uh, Andy wrote a letter for Dear 2020. So I wanted to thank you for that. So yeah, the uh, the new book that will be out ideally April 30th, uh, it's the uh, anniversary of my mom's passing. Uh, Andy, Andy wrote a really nice Dear 2020 letter. So, and obviously Peter did too. And then Peter, uh, I didn't share this with you guys when we were on the podcast, Andy, but um, maybe I did, but I, I had a, you'll appreciate this. So Peter is freaking amazing uh, where he connects like he has no problem asking. He knows a lot of people. He's you know, he, he's one of those people. Right. So, um, you know, he he came in the new year before I did. So the morning of the new year, you know, I, I did actually drink that night um, more than I normally did. I don't know. It's just one of those occasions. Um, you know, I got up, I looked at my phone and I had these three I had three essay uh, letters come in for Dear 2020. And. Um, you know, these were all people that he encouraged to write, but I had this, uh, amazing, unforgettable experience. Um, I'm sitting there reading this letter in bed, right? I, and normally I don't open up my phone and do this, but it was probably because of the hangover feeling or, you know what I mean? I wasn't feeling as fresh. Uh, so, so I, uh, I read this, you know, I read, a, I read a letter. It was really great. I read this and I read the second letter and, um, it had such an effect on me, um, that I, basically opened up was like as my brother and I are holding my mom's brittle hand and this song, like it's, he's, he's painting this picture, right? Like you can just, and I just felt it. Right. And I got done with this letter, uh, which was a, it was a letter in gratitude through tragedy. Um, I was sitting there and I, I wasn't, I was crying, but I was, I was trying to be quiet. I was crying. Right. But I wasn't weeping. So I wasn't, there was no vocal, but my body was moving and my wife literally woke up and was like, are you okay? And that was specifically because we, you know, so that that the, the the amazing thing is like Peter reaches out, and says Chris is saying, write a letter to Dear Twenty Twenty, you know, write a letter to Dear Twenty Twenty, looking for the gratitude or looking for perspective and what it taught you. And then I had this experience New Year's Day of laying in bed crying and waking up my wife with my body shaking. Mm. Beautiful. It's uh, so it's so it's so powerful. If we can encourage people to think and write um, what we get back just by putting that out. And Peter, like, I think nine, uh, maybe almost a third of the letters in the second book are directly thanks to Peter. Uh, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, like you said, he had his 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 uh, his daughter and several friends in the first book. So, you know, um, just uh, love you, man. You're so awesome. I mean, just that that <laughs> pass on. He get, You know, it's just so powerful because these things are going to be written and people are going to be able to read them and. And uh, create again, just creating that space, right? That's what it comes down to. You're creating a space to allow people to share how they're feeling. Yeah. Um, and when we can do that, like you do it on the podcast, or we do it here, or it's in a book, like it's uh, you. We all know that 
when we create that space, we really get the most out of it. Um, you know what I mean? Anyway, you know what I mean? Um, so it's, uh, so again, I appreciate you writing for the book, uh, dear 2020, obviously Peter writing for it and just the, uh, encouragement and creating a space for people to share these ideas and feelings about, um, about 2020 and about perspective and being grateful. So yeah. I just wanted to share that with you. I thought you'd appreciate that being a writer and understanding how that, yeah, uh, no, how amazing listen, that is. you know, the, I told you on my show that, that like I, I spend a lot of time when someone puts themselves out in the world or takes an effort to do something and I see they don't get a lot of support. Like I'll take time to write a review or to read enough to sort of get a sense just because I see what they're doing and what they're trying to achieve. And there's a love of just supporting it. And I know how much it means because I know how much it meant to me. So, um, so it was interesting last year, there's a woman, um, her daughter uh, died in a car accident and she did a book of her daughter's poetry and I saw her publish and it didn't get a lot of, a lot of traction or support. So I immediately, you know, I, I, I think I, I, I got the book, I wrote a review, I posted on it. So I did a few things and it's interesting. It takes such little time to do that. And, mm. and it means so much from the other that I don't understand people living in their own bubble of like not understanding this woman's daughter died. She puts together a book of her poetry and, and, and the things that yeah. mean something. And for her, who cares if the book is a piece of shit? Like who cares? Like what? It, it's a loving act, and like if you understand what it means to her, that should be enough then to just take the effort and time and energy to give her that support. And and it's funny; mm -hmm. those are the things that I'll do that regularly, and we don't I don't discuss it. I mean, now is the discussion now, but I think right. God, you and your and I and I felt in a weird way it was kind of paying forward as well from your support towards me, right? We knew very little of nothing of one another. You got both books, you read them, you shared quotes along the way when you were reading them and shared your insights that were coming on. And I thought, you know, that that for me is you do something, the thing you do, I was I had a dinner last night with someone and they were explaining to me how incredible it is that I had these two books. And I said, I could give a shit, like who cares? It's done, it's over. Like, like the creativity is what's interesting. When it's done, it's just, who cares? And she said, yeah, but, and I said, yeah, it, the, the beauty is when it touches an individual in a level that you see that it meant something to them and you you can't decide that. You, you It's a piece of art, you put it on the wall, someone likes it or they don't like it. You don't decide for them what they resonate. And the one thing I learned about writing is I always thought they were good writers. And then I forgot, no, there's just writers that several people resonate with. And if enough people resonate with them, we call them a good writer. The writing could be crap, but it doesn't really matter. It's just enough people resonate with that person's writing and their voice. So the more authentic that voice is, obviously, the more likely it is that someone or a group of people will resonate because on a human level, we're all so similar. Yeah, So I love that. In that in that way, I was really grateful to you, Chris, because you just you went in not knowing much. You read both books, you gave feedback, you left reviews, and that that means the world. And it doesn't happen very often, even with people I know very well. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. And I, I didn't mention thank you for writing or, or getting my book and uh, review, giving me a, a nice review too. So I'm I'm up to 14 right now, guys. So yeah, it, 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 it's nice. It's, it's panhandling. I got yeah. I crossed 50 yesterday. It was like, wow, I got 50. That's like a milestone moment, you know? Uh.
Uh, and I love what you said about, uh, you know, um, I, I felt the same way about writing my book. I felt I had no attachment to what it was going to do in the world because I wasn't doing it for that. And I wasn't going to let and obviously and I wasn't setting myself to be let down with me. It was like um, I'm putting I'm doing this book. I'm creating this creating this artwork, like you said. And to, as soon as it's, you know, getting it done is what my job is inside the creative process. Um, obviously, I want people to read it, but yeah. if they don't. It's completely cool, like you said. But the cool thing is, is people are reading, and then, and then, and then, the, because the mindset's that way, when stuff happens, you really appreciate it, yeah. you know. Mm. Um, and it's like it's like a treat opposed to a given. Oh, of course it's going to happen. No, no, not of course it's going to happen. Yeah, you don't know your book's going to be in another country, or somebody's going to send it to somebody, and they're going to resonate with them. I mean, but when yeah. that happens, it's like it's a freaking treat, yeah. right? Those are the stories we want to hear. Those are the stories we want to share. It's like. Um, and I know even when, you know, we were speaking with uh, Peter, his first book came out of a tragedy too. Would you like to share a little bit about that, Peter? Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's all connected to this gratitude idea. So um, I was, I was reading a whole bunch of stuff uh, around the time um, I'd gone to this general assembly presentation where I, I learned about the, the power of gratitude and I was on a flight and I was carrying a notebook and you know how often you have a notebook, I just trying to connect the dots, right? Making lists of things. And, um, uh, you know, people like Austin Cleon and, and Derek Sivers and, and um, Seth Godin, they're always like, you know, put your work out there, just ship it, show it, all that good stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to do a blog about um, business or economics or anything like that. that. That wouldn't be too super exciting, but maybe I could do um, a, a series of gratitude posts. And um, I just read Outliers, I think, from Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours. And I thought, well, you know, what if I could do 10,000 thank yous? And um, you do one a day. That's It's actually a 27-point year, 27.4-year sort of project. So, you know, I'm not doing one a day. So it's going to take even longer. But I'm assuming we're going to live to 120. So if you, you know, put that as our, our end point potentially, Um you know, but, and I started with my wife and, you know, then my our kids and then my parents and similar to you guys, right? It was like writing letters that they probably wouldn't otherwise get to see, you know, because I had this discipline to go through. And then eventually I, I realized, well, I'm going to have to recognize my siblings and, and then my wife's siblings. And um, that's where it got kind of <laughs> quite I, I like that you say, I eventually have to. That's the best part yeah. of that sentence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this is where it got kind of real because I'm from a pretty big family. I'm the youngest of six. My wife's the eldest of seven. Uh -huh. And I was going, well, I'm going to have to recognize these guys within the, t the first 100, I think. You know, uh -huh. that feels right. Beyond that just feels like that's a bit rude. But number <laughs> 100 out of 10,000 was really tough. That's, that's the one I, I deferred, delayed, didn't know how to do it. And the backstory that Chris is referring to is um, my youngest sister-in-law, when she finished high school, she took a gap year. Um, she'd gotten into film school. She did. She went um, fruit picking in a remote part of Australia to, to sort of earn some money and then do some travel. And um, it was coming up to a public holiday and was meant to visit family in, in Sydney and uh, never showed up. And uh, that's 18 years ago. Uh, so that was 2002. She's never been found. So something bad happened, um, you know, never been solved, never, never, you know, been found. Um, and then, you know, years later, here it is. I'm, I'm, I've got to come up with a way of acknowledging her. Um, and um, 
around the same time, uh, we had a speaker uh, do a webinar, a guy called Craig Wartman. He'd written a book called What Is Your Story? And I bought it on the way to work on Kindle. I read the introduction and um, three sentences changed the way I think about everything in terms of stories. And they were, um, you know, stories are your most valuable asset. They're more important than facts. If you don't write them down, they didn't happen. And um, I think it was that Christmas or something like that, we were back in Australia. I was staying in a room and it had some schoolwork of uh, Neve, my younger sister-in-law. And she'd done the highest level of English where she'd written a short story. It's only two pages long, but it was like watching a film, reading this, this short story. You know, she developed the characters and the plot. And um, the teacher had just written at the top of the first page, you write better than I ever will, A+. plus." No other marking on the whole thing. And at that point on, I just got my mother-in-law to start scanning and dropboxing all her poetry, photography, art, short stories and other things. And um, I just curated um, her, her work into a 100-page book and learned how to self-publish it to Kindle. And I don't care if anyone's buying it. I just want to make sure it's out there. And um, I treat these things as version 0.0. It's like this is a, just a foundation. I'm more interested in what happens next. And Gino, actually, this is where he comes in. He connected me to the guys at Clock and Flap, which is a music music uh, um, uh, festival here, because one of um, Neve's school friends had gone on to become a, a good, good poet and a musician, and she had a couple of albums. She was based in Melbourne. And she reached out when she heard that this book was being produced and she said, look, we've been looking for a way to contribute to something like this to get some sort of closure. And so we ended up collaborating. And along the way, she said, oh, by the way, my mother was born in, or father was born in Macau. I've got relatives all around Hong Kong. I've never been there. Mm. And that's what lit this you know, opportunity to say, well, look, something bad happened, but maybe there's a way to make turn something positive to, to come out of this. So through Gino, I got to know Tony Verb, who we we actually interviewed earlier, um, a few weeks uh, earlier in the series, and he connected me into the talent scout. And six months later, we were able to get Jeff Guerrero, who was Neve's friend, to come and play and, and stay with us and, and play at this music festival. So, you know, and then there's probably 15 things that have happened just because, you know, that act of publishing the book have led to new opportunities. You know, I'm on the board of an NGO in New York that does music. It's called um, Music for Life International. They did a concert on behalf of the United Nations um, and their effort to end violence against women and girls. And I thought, okay, that's that's another, you know, chapter in that book that, you know, that was written and that continues to evolve. So, yeah, sharing stories and, and uh, giving people an opportunity to, to you know, uh, I guess communicate about difficult situations is is yeah. powerful. I think that's what you guys are doing really well as well. So I want to I want to dig into more of your your content as well. So thank you for that. Thanks, Chris. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I love how that again you telling that story. It's like I decided I wanted to go thank ten thousand people. When I got to a hundred, this other thing occurred. Right, that yeah. sprung all these other things. Like it's so beautiful. This the uh, I never thought it's like you. Just like, you know, it's very similar to my story in gratitude, me wanting to be a catalyst, thinking what what other ways can we have conversations in gratitude and share stories, right? Like initially I'm like, have people write letters. Andy gets that, right? It's like, mm. that's so beautiful. But then, you know, that became, okay, let's do videos, you know, let's do long form mm. interviews. Let's do a podcast. Let's get a book out there. Let's do live events. You know, it's like, uh, but that all 
stem from like me just wanting to, you know, just shoot, just to be a cat, you know, I just wanted people to be in a grateful state, you know, and what, what happens, right? This happens. Yeah. That happens. I just, I just love being experimental and the fact that, you know, zero preparation, you know, Chris has set up this, this series and we're up to whatever episode nine and these conversations are going to continue to evolve. And one of the things we're playing around with, you know, is to bring two guests back, you know, and to continue this conversation. So we could get Gino in here or, you know, and, What's create sort of um, kind of uh, chain of conversations that continue to evolve? Yeah, so it'd be like get Gino and Andy because now that he's connected, you know, that, that we have we have our own stories now, and we could sit around and talk about those. You know, I want to hear more from Bambos. He's, he's a little bit too quiet for my liking. Maybe maybe Bambos. Yeah, Bambos, you're getting the, the last three to five minutes here, man. And go right, Andy. You like that? <laughs> What do you want to know? <laughs> what should we do with the rest of our lives? <laughs> How about uh, with this last hour, uh, Bambos? What uh, what were your? Did you have a couple takeaways? Anything that um, resonated with you? Maybe triggered a different memory or moment. In your life? Hmm. I actually felt triggered by Peter Williams a little bit. Um, and as I was feeling triggered, I was sitting and breathing um, and trying to tune into him as a person. Um, and I'm talking about Peter, but so I'll talk to Peter. I, I, I experienced several times that there was so much talking that I couldn't stay with you and um in fact that was my responsibility also because in a way i always want to control in um and like oh i want to i want to know you as a person not so much the things that you've done but where you are in the moment and i i, I kind of surrender to my helplessness in not needing to do that but since you're asking me um i i sat down feeling my trigger and in a way, I'm grateful because these are the moments which challenge me to show myself also and be present with it. Yeah, and I was hoping kidding. you were going to say that. I, I kind of got the sense of that as well. I was I was reading your body language and I'm going, yeah, this, this conversation is not the way I would normally have a conversation. I would like to learn your stories. That's That's my favorite question. Just tell me your story because... That's where you start to see, you know, shared interests and, and mindsets and things like that. Mm. This one, yeah, it feels a little bit forced, which like, okay, we don't know enough about each other and maybe we don't have the time. I'd rather speak to each person one-on-one -on -one is typically the way I'd, I'd operate, you know, 100 people, but I'd rather just talk to one person for, and get to know them properly. Mm. Thanks for sharing that, Bambos. I appreciate your, your honesty and explaining how you were feeling everything. That was, that was good. That was good. Andy, is there anything that stuck out to you this last uh, last hour? Anything yeah. that was resonating? I mean, I uh, it was just I ran to this interview. It was right. a great. Yeah, it was the best day. I, I did 20,000 steps and I did like at least 300 meters running to make sure I made it here on time. And I just felt like what a beautiful day. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> 
Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, this has been great guys. I really appreciate y'all uh, hanging out with us. It's my morning. I know it's your afternoon, but it's a great way to start the day and uh, love what you guys are doing. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for coming on the podcast and giving your time and energy and sharing thank some you. wonderful things. By the way, so. we didn't mention that one of our favorite uh, viewers is from Kentucky as well. And he, uh, he sends us all the Kentucky paraphernalia. So we have several hats he sent us because he doesn't like our hat wear. So today I think I'm wearing, I don't know which hat oh, I am. It says 146. Is that the, the Kentucky Derby 146 That's Kentucky hat? Derby. We've got a bourbon hat over there. And we've got a Kentucky, uh, some college team as well. Specifically, he didn't like my hats. He did. <laughs> <laughs> but but Andy ends up wearing them. Because I've got this forehead that really shines horribly with the lights in, in the room. So I have to put a hat on now. <laughs> What's his name? You can you can give a shout out to him. JC JC Barnett. He was actually the swim coach at my high school, and we had him on the show as well. It was really nice to have a time with him, um, just just discussing how he uh, is acting like a mentor or a, a support to all these people in his life. Who he I I didn't even have him as a coach, but he's one of our greatest champions. Every show he comes on, he says I'm listening. And just just shows the support. I've really felt loved and supported by him in a way that it's quite amazing. Given that he wasn't even my my, I didn't swim. I ran. So um, yeah. So that that's the, those are the beautiful things that have emerged from this 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 show and doing it like this. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Thanks for thanks for that. Um, I was thinking. So is he? In, what is he in Louisville then? Is that why he's sending you stuff from the Derby? I no, I don't think so. I think he just went to the store and said, "Give me some stuff." From oh, okay. So, so you know, and and I put this hat on, and one of the guests said, "Now you look like Steven Spielberg." So every time I put it on, I feel like <laughs> I'm going to be like doing a a film. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, uh, for people, obviously, where's the best? You, you know, if people want to reach out to you, we're, we're obviously I know where they are, but you want to share where the best? So. We uh, they would just type in a wonderful chaos, right? Yeah. Or they go to Facebook. There's the wonderful chaos group. Facebook, page, there's YouTube. We basically are live on Facebook and YouTube every day on weekdays at 5 p.m. Central European time, 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and then we edit everything into podcast, which is done by this magnificent man in where is that man located? Actually, he's also in Kentucky. Is he in Kentucky? I don't know. Cass Mitchley. Cass Mitchley. I think he's also, he's in Kentucky as well. Um, and Cass, he had a, a podcast called Everyone's Agnostic and uh, basically bashing religion. And his podcast has done well over like half a million, close to like a million view uh, downloads. So, so there's a big community of people that like bashing on religion, and and somehow he's got <laughs> the, he he got that, and he stopped it. And then I was on his podcast, some for some reason I don't know how I got on, but he then um, and then after he'd done, I said, hey, will you be would you be open to editing ours? And he's he's really been a just decade. I think part of the joy of doing this show is I only surround myself with people I love. So in a way, Cass is just like a friend. He does it for, you know, money that actually he's giving it away on a lot of levels, but he learns so much that he just shares after every show, everything he learned and what he's grateful for in the show. Mm. So it's, wow. we've got a very loving and, 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 supportive relationship and also the kind of support that's like if he moves on in his life 
I'm not holding him to this. Like I want him to do what he what works for him. But at this very moment, he's grateful. He's learning, and he's sharing the 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 kind of the journey with us. And that's kind of how we've done this. Is very much it's always coming from a place of grounded joy and gratitude. There's nothing forced in what we do. I think if it ever turned to that, we'd end the show immediately. There just wouldn't be any interest anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. I'm glad I got to discuss a little more of the uh, backstory of what's going, you know, the the other people that are involved. We don't see uh, when we just yeah. see the two of you. I knew I know you had other people and I even saw on your Facebook page, your pin post actually was you guys from last August in front of a green screen saying we're on these platforms and you had that guy's name at the end. You thanked him. Yeah, so I saw that today and I was thinking, well, that's yeah, I mean, really cool. <laughs> you have to think to yourself, what happened with him was I said, I want to do the podcast and we'll figure out how much you're going to work and we'll arrange it so that it works for both of us. And then the next thing I know, he comes back to me and he makes a song for the show. Like oh, he wow. Just, He's... I, I didn't ask him to do it. I didn't say. So he just says, hey, if we're doing this, we're doing this right. So it was like this loving. And so I'm in a bar with my wife. And he's, I said, Cass just sent me something. So I pressed the button and I've got food in my mouth and I spit it out over the table because it was so great and so random. And so, I mean, it was like he he put lyrics in because, you know, there's lyrics. It's a real song. And right. he's got four different voices. I didn't even know they were his voice because they're so different. And uh, and I just I just loved it. I, I, I just still to today, the lyrics. I mean, we sing it all the time. Yeah. I walk downstairs. The first thing my wife is doing, she's singing this song. Um, <laughs> it's a wonderful case. Where is this song? Like is it, it, way. Is this, is it on every, Spotify or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you listen to any of our shows, it's the first song that comes on. And it's all one cool. person. It's You won't know, but it's all his voice that he's layered over in different ways. Yeah. And even at the end, the best is at the end, he even has an outro which is uh, which is just him giving some like very high pitch like uh, it's a wonderful chaos and then he's like woohoo and then that like let that that's like just some random thing which is so beautiful yeah I was mean to ask you how you got your music so there you go it's like almost like you were inside here already I was really curious about that so that's yeah just wow what a it. accident of just connecting with him and then he just sent you a song. <laughs> Just made it up. I mean, we had one, we had one, um, you know, it's always weird. You buy a song because you go to one of these websites, you figure out how to add junkly, quickly create an intro. You know, I created it in five minutes and, and it just was created. It wasn't like, you know, you said high production value, like high production value for us is what takes no less than five minutes to do or no more than five minutes to because there's no way I have that time or it energy. still looks professional and it still looks professional like that's sort of the boundary but he took the music that was in that little segment that I got purchased from some weird internet site and then he said and he turned that segment into the whole song just oh, because wow. he liked the rhythm of it so he actually I didn't even send him the song so I got scared because I'm like he's used i don't have the rights to use this song you know so i'm backtracking it took me a half a day to see and figure out where that song came from and then i found it and bought the rights to it so i knew that it, i'm not going to get like a you know some bill that's for a few hundred thousand for using the some song that wasn't art we didn't have the rights to yeah how do you do that for a song just just briefly what's, what's you, the official um, you, way to get the you rights? go you so there's there's the repositories of of songs so what happens is uh, there's there's like a repository of a, a million songs. And then there's other websites that'll say, hey, if you want to put 
your song to a video because they'll make a video and they'll say, then you'll pay for the video and they'll pull it from a song library. So, but the thing is, is you now buy the rights to the video and the song, but you don't buy the rights to the song. You buy the rights to the usage of that, that entity. Now, if you want to use that song, you got to go to, to figure out where the hell is the depository, where they pulled it from to begin with. And then it gets into the, is that going to be played a number of times? So we have the rights to it played a million times, but if it goes over a million, then we need to spend another three hundred dollars to buy that song okay so but you don't need to use that video you, you you sort of buy the video and the audio comes with it or how does it yeah work? yeah yeah yeah. on that website because they embedded mm -hmm. the the rights to use the audio with the purchase it. of it but if you go to want to just use the song then it's a very different uh a different category good to know yeah. thank you yeah very cool thanks learn a lot over here thanks andy yeah <laughs> Well, it's what you learn when you, you know, I have two brothers that are lawyers. So all of a sudden I'm like, what's my liability? Because, you know, the show is not anything we're making money with. So I'm like, God, what's when this show starts costing me? I mean, it's costing time, which is obviously money as well. But it's like, what if I have some stupid person who's only looking to sue so that they can leverage that? I'm like, ah, oh, that's, I don't need that headache. Mm. <laughs> right on, right yeah. on. Great. Well, this has been great, guys. Thanks again. Uh, Peter, do you have any uh, closing words? Any thoughts? No, I just want to th thank you both for joining. It's, it's cool that we're, we're crossing time zones again. That's uh, two weeks in a row that we've done Asia, Europe, uh, you know, or heading over in that direction and the US. Uh, to be continued, hope to get to meet you guys at some stage, either in Europe or when you're passing through Hong Kong or elsewhere. Right. But uh, thanks again for your time. Thank, thank you, you, guys. Have a Thanks, good one. Thanks, guys. I'm Chris, the Andy and Bambos. Just reminding you guys to stay grateful, and we are out. This is an open call to anyone that has a gratitude story or practice that they'd like to share. Just email me at the address hello at gratitudespace.com. That link will be in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us. You could look at this as a way of showing me a little gratitude. Just a friendly suggestion. Thank you for tuning in to Gratitude Space Radio, and we're out.